Good to be back. Beautiful day. I'm surprised more people aren't playing hooky. I was thinking about it. That's right. I'm paid, I guess. Right. So I have to be here. It's great. You guys are here for nothing. So I love that. So. It is good to see you all here this morning, and we are having, uh, it's one of my favorite Sundays, actually. Uh, we're serving free food, so um, if you are looking for a church uh, and you've been thinking about Bethlehem Community Church, we are serving a free lunch. They say there's no such thing as a free lunch, but there really is. It's a free lunch, and it'd be an opportunity for myself and some of the leadership to get to meet you and just kind of share. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the joke yet. So. <laughs> but uh, it really would be a great opportunity to just share what the Holy Spirit's doing here. So if you're thinking about making Bethlehem Community Church your church home, we're actually going to, after the service, after about five minutes, meet at the welcome desk, and then we'll just take you over and have a meal and share some time together and be somewhere around 50 minutes to an hour. All right. Well, there were these two hunters uh, from... New Jersey. It's important to say that they're from New Jersey. These two hunters from New Jersey, and they're out in the woods, and suddenly one of the men, they just fall to the ground. Seems like they quit breathing, and the eyes kind of roll back in the head. And, and the other guy, he, he kind of panics. He calls 911, and he, he, he yells to the operator, my friend's dead, my friend's dead, what can I do? And the operator on the other, line, other end of the line, you know, is calm and collected, and she says, Take, just take it easy, take it easy, I can help. First, though, let's make sure that he's dead. And then there's silence, and then you hear a gunshot. <laughs> the guy's voice comes back on the line, and he says, okay, now what? <laughs> like I said, I, I, I couldn't figure out really what the moral of that story was. Maybe hunters aren't the brightest light bulbs in the classroom. I'm not talking about New York hunters, now we're talking about New Jersey hunters. All right, now that we're all sufficiently warmed up by that dumb joke, we can move on. We're going to get back to the book of Ephesians. We're getting to a very practical section in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at the last half of chapter 5 and the first half of chapter 6. And a lot of you will be very interested in, in fact, most of you will be interested in, we're going to be doing this probably for well over a month. We're going to be talking again about relationships. How many here have perfect relationships? Nobody. I don't. Well, actually, that's what Paul's going to be talking about this morning and forward. What does it take to really have good relationships? You know, at the end of the day, what makes life worth living is relationships. Good, deep, dynamic, intimate relationships. And that's what we're going to be looking at for the next month or so. So this would be a good opportunity to bring maybe someone who doesn't think God's relevant or practical. You're going to see just how relevant and practical he is. I've entitled the message this morning, who's in charge of you or who controls you. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to meet with my brothers and sisters now and look at your word. I thank you for the worship that's transpired up to this point. But Lord, I think what we're going to be talking about here for the next month or so is just so important. Life-changing stuff. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And I ask that you would even come in a more powerful way. 
I especially pray for myself. Uh, Lord, I don't, I don't want to share my opinions. My opinions don't matter. So I pray that I would rightly divide the word, Holy Spirit. Your words are life. And I pray life and speak life over this congregation. I speak change over this congregation, your change. And I ask that you would fill me, you'd fill this place, and all that you intended to accomplish will be accomplished now in these next several minutes. And I just thank you in advance in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I think every one of us wants to be a masterpiece. And if you are a believer and you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then He's making you into a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Do you know what that masterpiece is, though? The masterpiece that the Father is creating is for us, the believers, to look like Jesus. There is no greater masterpiece than that. In fact, Paul says it in Romans 8, 29, that the Father's whole purpose, his whole goal is to conform each one of us into the image of Jesus Christ, to look like Jesus. Can you imagine, just with me for a moment, if you, your spouse, looked like Jesus, acted like Jesus? What do you think your marriage might be like? How about your parenting? How about your other relationships? What would they be like if you and I really acted and we looked like Jesus? The key to dynamic, intimate relationships is to look like Jesus. The goal for the believer, the great goal of life is not to get into Harvard or Yale or to be president of the United States or to be rich or to be powerful. These are worldly things destined to come to nothing. The world chases an illusion. America is the great illusionary country, creating an illusionary life that we really think it matters, but it doesn't. In the end, All that will be left is Jesus' kingdom and those that look like Jesus. So the great goal of life is to look like Jesus. And this is what the Father's doing in your life and he's doing in my life. In fact, Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 6. Look what the apostle Peter writes. So truly be glad. Now he's speaking to believers. There's wonderful joy ahead. So there's great joy ahead for the believer, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious to the Father than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, oftentimes I am asked by Christians, why is this life so difficult? And the short answer is this, because you'll look like this if life was easy. A blob. I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. God the Father's not interested in you looking like a blob, and he doesn't want me to look like a blob. He wants us to look like Jesus. So you know what he does? He turns the heat up. The spiritual term for that, by the way, is trials and tribulations. 
He brings trials and tribulations into our lives. And you know what happens when a little pressure's put on us? When a little heat's put on us? Ugly comes up. <laughs> Doesn't it? Ugly. And you know what the father does? He takes his heavenly scraper and he scrapes off that dross. And he says, well, I still don't see Jesus yet. So you know what he does? He turns up the heat a little bit more. And you come out of a store one day and you're coming to your brand new car. And there you see it, a ding the size of a grapefruit and your door. What happens to you? Ugly comes up, doesn't it? I don't know what comes out of your mouth. But as one preacher said, if you're Pentecostal, you'd probably be going to hell. (laughs) Ugly comes up. And he takes his heavenly scraper and he scrapes it off. And he keeps doing that. And he keeps doing that in our lives until he sees Jesus. So my first challenge to you and to myself this morning is we got to quit whining. We got to quit whining like... I don't know who you're sitting next to, but we quit. I, I heard a time, Lord, just give me a new spouse. Fix my spouse. Has it ever occurred to you that your spouse may be the very tool to get you to look like Jesus? That's a disturbing thought. <laughs> Isn't it? The person sitting next to you is the very tool that God's going to use to help you look like Jesus. Some of us cry out day in and day out, Lord, I'm tired of my crappy job. Crappy boss, crappy co-workers. And God said, I've got you in the perfect spot. Going to help you look like Jesus. Lord, why won't you give me this or that? Why do you keep this from me? So that you'll look like Jesus. So that you'll look like Jesus. Time and time again, we need to understand that the Father's goal is for us to look like Jesus. Now listen to me. If... You will embrace, if I will embrace my trials, my tribulations, my sufferings, something beautiful is going to happen. Skip, put it up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I want us to become very familiar with this. Do not be drunk with wine. Why? Because just write stupid on your head. That's right, just write stupid. You're drunk with wine, the alcohol controls you, and we do dumb things. But you can replace, by the way, wine with flesh. Do not be controlled by the flesh. Why? See, what happens when you're controlled by the flesh is that you're going to do shallow things, worldly things. You're going to begin to, what I call, think negatively. When the flesh controls you, we're going to talk a lot about your thinking and my thinking. When the flesh controls you, negative thinking controls you. And you begin to live in fear. Your thoughts are about fear. Your thoughts are about control. Your thoughts are about lust. Your thoughts are about greed. Your thoughts are about comparison. It's all negative. And the end result is, is that you end up doing addictive things. You begin to develop strongholds. And your life is one of bondage. So you don't want to do that. So Paul says, you don't want to be drunk with wine. You don't want to be controlled by the flesh. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? What happens when a person's filled with the Holy Spirit? You change. See, your thinking changes. I'm going to tell you that the Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible. It is a supernatural life. And when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, your thinking changes. 
and your thinking becomes positive. And when your thinking becomes positive, you have positive behavior. Your relationships become good instead of bad. Let me tell you, you cannot change. You will not change until your thinking changes. You cannot change, you will not change until your thinking changes, until my thinking changes. This is really what we're going to be talking about for the next month or so, is how we need to change. And the key, by the way, I'll just tip my hand, the key to the Holy Spirit controlling you and controlling me is trials, tribulations, suffering. You know what happens when we experience trials, tribulations, and suffering? We finally surrender. We finally give up control. You see, you and I cannot be controlled by our flesh and controlled by the Holy Spirit at the same time. Is it going to happen? Not going to happen. See, and that's the difficulty most of us find ourselves in because we're control freaks if we admit it. And you can't be controlling your life and expecting the Holy Spirit to control your life. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't happen. So we're going to be talking about that. But I need to digress and really spend most of the morning here. I want to talk about spirit-filled for a moment, okay? Can we just talk about what does it mean to be spirit-filled? When you hear the term spirit-filled, what do you think? Spirit-filled, generally, some some people are going to get the right answer. Good. Actually means that somebody's listening. I, I appreciate that. It's great encouragement. To know that some people are listening. But generally when you hear spirit filled, they say, oh, well, that's tongues, right? Or, or that's miracles, or that's signs, or, or that's wonders. But you know what? Those are spiritual gifts. Did you know that? Those are spiritual gifts. And, and by the way, I, I kind of resent it when people say that because how many here have the gift of service? How many here have the gift of service? So if a person has the gift of service, are they less spiritual than the one who speaks in tongues or prophesies? Yes? No? Well, then how come we never mention that? How come we never say, hey, I know a spirit-filled person. They have the gift of service. Nobody ever says that. No, they say tongues, don't they? They, they, they say, you know, miracles. And, and you know, it's wrong. It, it, it's divisive and it's heretical. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Here's what my Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes this. He goes, he goes, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of the spiritual gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Did you hear that? He decides. He decides. Do you know why he decides? Does anybody know Ephesians 2.10? Skip, do you have Ephesians 2.10? I forgot if it's going to be up. You know what Ephesians 2.10 says? Great verse. You are God's masterpiece. Did you know that? Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's masterpiece, conformed to the image of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We're back to Jesus again. And he has prepared works for you, each believer, to do, and he prepared them in eternity past. Did you know that? God knew you in eternity past. He thought about you in eternity past. And he's got works for you to do. So the reason why you have the spiritual gift or gifts that you do is so that you can carry out the works that he wants you to do. Yes? No? Does that make sense? So having said that about spiritual gifts, I want us to understand spiritual gifts and being spirit-filled, they have nothing to do with one another. Listen to me now. You can be operating in your spiritual gift and not be spirit-controlled. 
Did you know that? By the way, hundreds of preachers actually prove that weekly in America. (laughs) No, I'm a preacher. I know it's possible to argue with my wife. We had kids and and, and to have World War III in the house and then I'd come up here. Welcome to you all this morning. I'm going to preach the word of God. And a lot of you go, wow, that's powerful. Woo! He was spirit-filled. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a jerk. I was just a jerk 10 minutes ago. Jimmy swaggered. Jimmy swaggered. Now, there's a guy who could preach. Hey, no, no. Let's be honest here. This guy could preach. This guy could teach. This guy could play. He's one of the most talented people I knew from a ministerial viewpoint. In fact, he had a great anointing. You know, you'll hear that term used, anointing. Do you know what anointing means? Anointing means how powerful your gift is. In other words, two people can have the same gift. One has a greater anointing than the other. Don't ask me why that is. Got nothing to do with them, by the way. Like Billy Graham has a great anointing as an evangelist. My wife, on the other hand, she has the gift of evangelism, but you would say it's not as powerful as Billy's, okay? So that, that's anointing. Now, here's the amazing thing. Jimmy Swagger was the number one ministry in the early 80s. I mean, this guy, could, I mean, he could preach a storm. I mean, he really, he sweat well. I mean, I loved he pull out the rag, you know? I mean, this guy went to town. And then he'd get done, and you know what he did? He visited a prostitute. No, he visited a prostitute. And you know, if, if you listen to the testimony of Jimmy, if you listen to his testimony of Jimmy, he would have said, I was being convicted, but I wouldn't give it up. And you know what? God at some point will not be mocked. God at some point will not be mocked if you're a believer. And he exposed Jimmy. He laid him bare. And if you are a believer, if you are a believer and you're in sin, trust me, just read Hebrews chapter 12. He will not allow you to stay in sin. He will expose it for the purpose of repentance so that he can bring healing into your life. He can bring healing into my life. Let's talk about Samson for a moment. Samson. Skip, can you put up this picture? Samson, you find him in the book of Judges. Now, that's probably a lousy title because most of us, when we think of a judge, what do we think of? We think of a guy in a black robe or a woman in a black robe, right? Big desk, gavel. That's not what a judge is in the Old Testament. A judge in the Old Testament was a deliverer. So you see some great deliverers in the book of Judges. Samson was a great deliverer. In fact, he was a powerful deliverer, delivering the Israelites from Philistine oppression. This man had many gifts, by the way. Great wisdom, great power. Great anointing, great anointing on Samson's life. And Samson, during the day, would be delivering the Israelites from the Philistines. And what was he doing at night? Skip, can you put up Judges chapter 16 and verse 1? One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Now, I don't know about you. I read that and I'm troubled. Are you troubled by that? I mean, how in the world does that work? How can you have someone like Samson representing God, and then he goes that night and he's visiting a prostitute? How does that work? And you know what God said to me one time? He hit me upside the head, the Holy Spirit, you know, because I I was questioning God on that. You know what God said? Are you without sin, Frank? You without sin? 
Are you perfect? No, no, Lord. But, 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 Lord, Samson's so much worse than me. I mean, I mean, Jimmy Swaggart's so much worse than me. And the Holy Spirit said, I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge of that. But then he said to me, I will not be mocked. I will not be mocked by my servants. And you know what happened to Samson? God delivered Samson over to the Philistines. They gouged his eyes out. And they dragged him in chains back to Philistia. God will not be mocked. God absolutely will not be mocked. So I want you to know, it is possible for you to have a great anointing. Great spiritual gifts, but not be spirit-filled at all. So my, what, I, what, I, what I'm begging you, because we live in America, is let's get over the superficial. Let's get over the spectacular. I mean, really. Let's talk about Balaam for a moment. You know what Balaam is? Balaam's an Old Testament prophet. He's a mouthpiece for God. That's pretty spectacular. But you know what? He was so thick in the head, so dumb. You know what God did? He had his donkey have to speak to him to stop him in his insanity. Now, that's spectacular. You have your donkey speak to you? Your horse speak to you? One preacher said it this way. He said, he was preaching, so, hey, I'm, I'm just quoting him now. Do not write me letters. He goes, God can use any ass to do his bidding. But the great saints, the great people of God, are people of character and humility. And humility. You know, the Bible plays this out, in fact, this truth. It was one Sunday morning, and it was a black Baptist church. I love the black people. They're awesome, especially if you ever go to a black Baptist church. And it was... uh, Graduation Sunday, and they had several students give testimonies about, you know, the colleges that they were going to go to and and the great things that they were going to do in this world. And after they got finished, the black preacher was to give a few closing remarks. Now, if you know anything about black preaching, a black preacher hasn't preached until he's spoken at least for an hour. He's going to give a few closing remarks. And so the black pastor, he ambles up to the pulpit. They usually got these big pulpits. And he just looks at the crowd for a minute. Young people. Young people, you're going to die. You may not think you're going to die. But I assure you, you're going to die. One of these days, they're going to take you out to the cemetery, drop you in a hole, throw some dirt on your face, and go back to the church and eat potato salad. Now, how's that for a reality check? When you were born, he said, you alone were crying and everyone else was happy. The important question I want to ask you this morning is this. When you die, are you alone going to be happy and leave everyone else crying? The answer, he said, depends on whether you live to get titles or whether you live to get testimonies. 
When they lay you in the grave, are people going to stand around reciting the fancy titles that you have earned? Or are they going to stand around giving testimonies about how you have touched their lives? I'm not going to tell you this morning that titles are wrong. But if it ever comes down to a choice between a title and a testimony, then I tell you, go for the testimony. And then he went on what we call a poetic rip as pastors. This is what makes black preaching so fabulous. (laughs) Pharaoh. Now, he may have had the title. But Moses, he had the testimony. He had the testimony. Haman, he may have had the title. But Esther, Esther, she had the testimony. And he began to pick it up a little bit. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had the title, maybe. But Daniel, now Daniel, he had the testimony. And now I love blacks, the black churches. You see, when you're with a bunch of whites, here you guys are, you're like this. And you look like you've been sucking on lemons. The frozen chosen, it's awesome. But the black people, now they begin to get in. The men are already going, preach it, brother, preach it, brother. And then I love the black women. They're going, now, now, here, here, go, go. <laughs> they're really getting into it. I want to see if you guys can try it. Let's just let you guys try Queen Jezebel may have had the title. But Elijah, now he had. What do you have? Come on. Oh, man. We need to get more black people in here. I got to recruit. I need to recruit. Jezebel may have had the title, but Elijah had the. Oh, no. King Zedekiah may have had the title, but Jeremiah, now he had the. Herod, Herod, he, he, he thought he had the title, but the Baptist, now he had the. And then he finished, I'm not going to do the whole message, he finished and he said, Pontius Pilate may have had the title, but my Jesus, now my Jesus, he had the. Don't worry, you'll never pass for Black Baptist Church. We'll work on it. You know why Jesus was great? See, most people are going to say the miracles. Oh, it's the miracle. No, that was to get your attention. What made Jesus great was his character. What made Jesus great was his character and his humility. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said it the best. He said, Papa, not my will, but your will be accomplished. The world, the world's interested in titles. The world's interested in in displays of power. I want you to know this morning, the God of the universe is not interested in your title, and he's not interested in any displays of power. He can top both of them. <laughs> you know, have you ever looked at, you, know, you want proof of this? Have you ever looked at Jesus' disciples? These are the men that are going to change the world, and they're a bunch of blue-collar workers. Blue-collar workers. Now, I want you to listen to me now as we begin to wind this down. 
If you're a believer, if you're a believer, do you know that God chose you? God chose you. You say, how do you know that? I know that from John 6.55, or John 6.65. Put it up, Skip. He went on to say, this is Jesus' red letter edition. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. I don't want to get in the theology of this right now. You just need to know that if you're, and you've come to Jesus, it wasn't by accident. The Father in heaven wanted you. No, no, you need to think this thing through. The Father wanted you. You just didn't come to Jesus. He wanted you. But you're saying, I'm nothing. You're right, you are nothing. But you know what? The disciples were nothing. And you know how they became something? Acts chapter 1. Look at Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. Skip, can you put it up? On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is the resurrected Christ, he gave them this command, do not, gentlemen, boys, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, although I believe we're closing in on it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to know that the great game changer of life is the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he can do? The Holy Spirit can take a coward and make you into a person of courage. The Holy Spirit can take an ordinary person and make them extraordinary. The Holy Spirit can take a faithless person and make them into a person of great faith. The Holy Spirit can take a manure pile and make it into a marble statue. You ever thought about that? Maybe you think you're a bunch of manure, but the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, he can make you into a marble statue. He can make me into a marble statue. There's nothing more important, I'm going to tell you this morning, than you and I need to be controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. And this is my challenge. I want you to make this your life first. I want you to memorize this first. Skip, put up back Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not... Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Do not be controlled by your flesh. If you are controlled by your flesh, I'm going to go through it one more time. You will be controlled by negativity. You will have bitterness. You will have vengeful thoughts. You will have lustful thoughts. You will have envious thoughts. You will have comparison thoughts. No matter how great, successful you are, you will still have low self-esteem one moment, and then you're all over, and you have great pride the next moment. Everything negative will control you when your flesh controls you. So even though you might seemingly outwardly have things going your way, you're miserable in here because of your thinking. And when your bad thinking controls you, it turns into bad behavior. That's why most of the world has lousy relationships. See, when you are thinking negative in here, how can you be loving towards your spouse? Tell me that. When you're angry, when you want to get your pound of flesh, and you can't forgive because your spouse hurt you, trust me, you will hurt your spouse. How in the world are you going to love them with negative thoughts? You're not. 
And this is where most of the world sadly lives. Negative thoughts, negative behavior, bad relationships. See, that's, there's only two kinds of people in this world. You're either controlled by your flesh or you're the last half. But he says, no, no, I want you to be. And it's something you can do. It's not, we don't have time this morning. But that, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can be. If I'm a believer, I have the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? That's the question. And see, if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit and you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, then my thinking will begin to change. I'll begin to think what the Holy Spirit wants me to think. Thoughts of love, joy, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith. I'll have faith, thoughts of faith. Hey, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. You begin to view your circumstances differently. See, the world has something bad happen to me. Oh, why did this happen to me? But the believer goes, wow, God's allowed this in my life. He loves me. And he's going to cause good to come out of this. Awesome. Do you see the difference? I, you, can view, we, you can have a person of the world and a person of faith, and they'll view the same circumstance differently because the thinking is different. Their thinking is different. And so I'm going to ask you as we close, seriously, what really controls you? And you really don't have to guess because... Just ask the people around you. <laughs> They'll let you know. Just ask the people around you. They'll let you know whether they're, you're controlled basically by the flesh or by the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to be talking about for the next weeks. I want to talk about change. I want to talk about transformation. I want to see you victorious. I want to see me victorious. I want us to finally, people, when we walk out and we're finally enjoying life. By the way, you may not have wonderful circumstances. I'll never guarantee you that, but you can still enjoy your life. It's here. It's here. Every single person in here can enjoy their life, but if you're losing it here, you won't. And that's what I want to talk about. So maybe as we sing this last song, the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to you. Make a decision. Say, Lord, I don't want to live in the flesh anymore. I do not want to live in the flesh anymore. I want to start living in the spirit. That's true. You can come forward during the song. I want to pray with those people that want to really change. I, look, I'm 57, almost going to be 58. I don't really know how much more time, but I want to help you win. I want to help you win. And you can. You can. Don't let, don't let Satan, don't let your flesh lie to you. So if you really want to get serious, it starts now. You put a stake in the ground. I don't want to live in the flesh anymore. I want to start living by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can come forward even during the song. I'm going to pray with you after. People were just bashful or what but i pray in your heart that you are up here in order to have a change in your life you have to get past yourself and say look i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired 
Well, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I, I need a change in my life. So I want to pray. I appreciate you all coming forward because there will not be any change in your life until you say, I want to change. You got to say, I want to change. That's the starting point. I want to change. I no longer want to be in the flesh. I really want to live the supernatural life. I want to live victorious. It's possible. So let me pray for Lord, I just thank you for those that have publicly made that decision. I, I pray even now there may be more standing who, who really want that, but maybe for a whole rack of reasons didn't come forward. I'm praying not only for myself and the people here, I'm praying for BCC, that we would become a supernatural church that we would begin to have supernatural relationships, that we would begin to have dynamic relationships, first with you, Father, Papa, and then with the people around us. I'm praying over the next several weeks and months there's going to be tremendous breakthroughs for people. And the people here that have come, I'm, I'm, I, I, I know by faith that there's going to be tremendous breakthroughs because I've seen them in my own life. And so I'm excited. I'm just excited now for what you're going to do. Bless each person here. Bless each and every single person here. May that work even begin now. May they begin to experience you, Holy Spirit, in a new way that they've never experienced you before. May their thinking begin to change where there was darkness. Now they're beginning to experience incredible light and freedom. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.